1: And welcome to First Bite, the Detroit Lions Pride of Detroit midweek podcast where we are right in the middle of our Lions review draft series. Uh, We've gone through the first three draft picks. Now it's time to enter round four and talk about USC wide receiver Amonra St. Brown. Before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit and your co-host for First Bite. With me, and I know he was very eager for this episode, Chris Perfett is here former USC Trojan himself. Chris, how you doing? I was
2: actually going to stream some NCAA football today and just be lazy, but Ryan wanted to bail. And I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah. Let's go back. <laughs> and uh, to my, to my source of the thing is, is like, I think there's a, the running gag now on the podcast that I'm a USC Homer when for as long as I can remember now, this football has brought this form of football under Clay Helton has brought me nothing but pain and
1: suffering. So, Hey, but hey, we got Ross St. Brown,
3: so I'm, I'm. You are a good. USC fan. <laughs> yeah, you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> that third voice you hear is a very special guest, and we're going to call him an Ross St. Brown expert for now. He is the uh, the
3: USC beat writer for the LA Times. It's Ryan Karchi. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great, guys. Th- thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to come on a Detroit pod. I don't think I ever have. So big deal yeah. For me. And, and that what makes you uh, an even more
1: special guest is you're you're a a, a self-proclaimed Michigan man, uh, a graduate of U of M. You're sporting the Detroit D hat right now. Uh, I was going to say he's got some clippings for some Derek Robinson
3: stuff in the background, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you can see the Red and Michigan hockey coach. Nice. Uh, back there. Yeah.
1: Spent some some good nights over at Yost Arena. For sure. Oh, yeah. Under underrated. F- like, I kind of liked my nights at Yost Arena a little bit more than the big house, if I'm being honest. College yeah. hockey is a fun experience. It's a
3: damn fun experience like that. And there was no one quite like Red Berenson, too. He, uh, I learned a lot about journalism just by being around that guy. Sure. Um,
1: well, let, let's get into it. Let's talk about your, your journalism days over there at USC and specifically Amonra St. Brown. Um, because he's, to me, one of the more fascinating picks lines made because he's one of the more fascinating people. And that's what I want to get into first is just Amanra St. Brown, the person, the, the guy speaks a ton of different languages. He, he has a fascinating dad who, who pedals his own, you know, weight, weight gain stuff and his brothers in the NFL. So um, just talk to me about what your impressions of Amonra St. Brown is as a person.
3: Well, like you said, it, it is just a very unique family. I mean, I, I think just their names alone says, (laughs) say a lot, you know, his brothers were Equinemius and Osiris Mm -hmm. St. Brown. And Uh,
2: Equinemius middle name, I think is Imhotep too. So they're all Egyptian gods.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of Egyptian action going on in all those names. There's several long middle names to go with it, but he's not the only one, but, uh, but yeah, Aminra, you know, he, he was kind of described to me in terms of, his place in the family as really the competitive, serious one. Uh, and you can really tell that just kind of being around him, he's very focused. He's not really like a light sort of like light energy kind of guy. He's like very intense. And you can tell that he gets a lot of that from his dad, obviously who, you know, is a, was a world famous bodybuilder at one point. Um, And like you said, now, you know, has his own line of protein that he certainly uh, spends a lot of energy peddling. And I know his sons do too, but it's a, you know, just the fact that, you know, his name is actually just John Brown. They added the saint to just make their names seem more interesting on the back of a Jersey, which again, I think it really just says a lot about that family, but they're, they're a very interesting crew. I mean, like you said, he, he only spoke German with his mom and he, you know, they speak multiple languages in the house and it's clearly a family that, you know, knew what they wanted with their kids from a very early age set out to create those kids in the, that exact image. And, you know, it seems to have been going pretty well. I mean, two wide receivers in the NFL Currently, and Amon Ra, I I think personally will will certainly be the one that goes the furthest. I know Equinemius has had a little bit of action in Green Bay, but the but I, I certainly think Amon Ra has the most skills of all three.
2: Yeah. And I know like as you say, he he got a lot from his father. Apparently, though, from what I was reading, not his father's love of singing journey in the car, which was apparently used as some sort of form of torture. I would imagine. Uh, um, Did I say, yeah. Foreigner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, but just to that nature, I just, I'm curious what drives a lot of that competitive nature. If that's his father, his brother is a chip on his shoulder that he's being serious. Cause I remember, you know, midnight, after day two of the NFL draft, he's working out and posting it on Instagram and, you know, oh God, that's that's usual for a lot of people that would be like, oh, what rubbish that's usual kind of, you know, gr- rise and grind, grind hard stuff. But it felt like for him and given what we know about his own kind of habit of bodybuilding, that felt legit, that felt like just get out there and just keep working, just if nothing else to burn off the stress.
3: Yeah, certainly. And I, I think that's just kind of his personality. Uh, like you said, I, I'm often more skeptical of that sort of approach, like the whole like, yeah, grind to like whatever <laughs> sort of approach. But he like really is that guy. I, I yeah. think, you know, he's from a very young age. I think he was I want to say he was five or six years old when he started weight training. <laughs> yeah. with his dad. Yeah. So, you know. Whether that's healthy for a five or six year old, (laughs) you can can debate, but, uh, it seems to have worked out at least, at least in that situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy who has the rise and grind mentality, but doesn't hashtag about it. Like he's, he's just all about the work. He's not about the flair.
3: Yeah, no, he, and he was, he has never been someone who is like flashy in that sense. I know. I thought it was a big moment for him uh, this past last summer, uh, during the black lives matter, uh, just protests and all of that uh, unrest going on that he actually made a big show of the fact that he went to a protest and like really took a stand on that and was kind of talking more about social issues. And that was very rare for him (laughs) because he was consistently like football is it, I'm focused on this, that sort of thing. I I I thought that was interesting that he kind of took the time to step out of his comfort zone a little bit and talk about that.
1: Yeah. Um, It's interesting we say all this because I I wrote a note for myself that says he he carries himself like a 10-year vet. And it sounds like that's kind of what what you're seeing as well. But I'm interested in how he kind of um, worked as a leader for the team because he was named captain in in his final year there at USC. So was he just kind of like more the silent, serious, lead-by-example type? Or or is he a kind of guy that can get in the middle of the huddle and and, and get the, the troops fired up?
3: Uh, I would, I would say he's probably more of the lead by example type, just for all the reasons we've been saying, you know, it's kind of been ingrained into him from the beginning. Uh, That's not to say that he can't be a leader. I I know we saw that certainly a little bit with the receiving core last year, but I do think one interesting thing about Aminra, especially as it pertains to the last season, because it it seemed like his stock dropped a little bit uh, heading into this past year. And, I thought it was interesting just in the sense that he, you know, I, I knew that he was really focused on getting to the NFL and he really thought a lot about leaving and sitting out this season. I think if the PAC 12 would have delayed any longer, he probably would have just not played. Um, And I think a little bit of that sort of colored his performance at some points in this past year. But that said, I mean, you know, he was sort of the, just the lead by example guy in that group. He was not where you see some receivers being flashy. That was not him in the slightest. And I think it was always just, he was programmed that he was going to go to the NFL when he was ready. And I know his dad, his dad's thought he's been ready for several, (laughs) several years. Uh, But uh, it, it, that certainly seemed to come to a head this year. Uh, But I did think that, you know, He showed clearly, especially with I think with how his relationship with Keaton Slovis, um, they had a great relationship. Seemed like he was always kind of that reliable guy that Keaton could could find. You know, he was always seemed to be open. So. uh, So, yeah, I would say he's definitely more of a lead by example guy. That's that's
2: something I wanted to bring up, too, because he got recruited out of modern day high school in Santa Ana with originally it was JT Daniels who was. You know the quarterback at modern day, who was the big splash name that USC recruited. I even remember him like being interviewed on AM five seventy here in Los Angeles. And then you know Daniels gets hurt, and then it's Keaton Slovis in. So like, was there? I I imagine Amon Ra kind of went to USC to keep playing with JT Daniels. What did he make any kind? What kind of did he have to make any kind of adjustments there, or you just fit right in with Keaton?
3: yeah I mean he really did and i I think again it kind of speaks to just how he acts like that it didn't really phase him that JT even though JT was definitely one of his closest friends it didn't really phase him that uh he was replaced by Keaton and uh they really Keaton and him just really picked off you know right where JT had left off and it's you almost like the word robotic kind of comes to mind a little bit when it comes to and Ra. And I, I mean that in a good way, in the right. sense that like he's not going to be affected by his environment. Um He's just, you know, gonna do the same thing no matter what. So maybe that makes him a great fit for the Lions, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like it may be a better fit from for the pre-
1: previous regime <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like no yeah. no emotions, don't, don't show anything.
2: But but I mean lions um, need receivers, yeah. So sure. I mean that's USC always, though, has a great crop of receivers, always seems like it's it's what they pride themselves on. It's their star power. But what kind of really set him apart from the rest of the pack and that whole wide receiver core? At, uh, at USC?
3: Well, he was just very polished, I thought. Um, you know, he's not the fastest guy. Uh, you know, he's not the most, like, physical or most athletic. Um, but, you know, in terms of his route running, um, in terms of just his reliability and consistency, I mean, there's a reason why he, you know, led – he was such a presence as a freshman. I mean, he stepped in immediately and – was arguably, if not the best, the closest second best, uh, receiver on the team. And I think that says all you need to know about him because he can sort of rise to that level right away. He's not gonna, you know, be super on one day and then off the next, uh, he's had that consistency throughout. And I think that really just kind of gets back to his training. And, uh, I, I honestly, even aside from just the fact that I know the lions as well as I do, but Uh, I just thought he was a perfect fit in that sense, just because he is kind of the later round guy that can step in right away. And I think he'll be able, he has the IQ to understand how that all works immediately. Now, whether his ceiling is as high as some other guys in this class, I think is a fair question, but, um, but yeah, I mean, just in terms of his polish and just his ability to get open, I mean, it's. Sort of, you know, it's not a great way of putting it, but like he just has a way of finding his way open. Um, And I think that showed just by the sheer amount of catches he had, no matter who the quarterback was, he was pretty much anyone's favorite target in any given year. So I think that that certainly says a lot just about his consistency week in and week out.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's interesting you bring up the point that he could be kind of that uh, immediate you know impact player for the Lions, uh, not only because you know their the depth chart isn't isn't great right there but because he is so polished and, and maybe those skills translate quicker and and it seems like the Lions knew that because if, if you saw their latest you know behind the scenes draft video they were talking about Amon Ra on day two mm. and he was part of their plans and they're like we, we can afford to go defensive line early because this wide receiver class is deep. And specifically they say that USC kid. And, and by all means, it, it had to have been Amon Rahu they were talking about. So I, I think that's an interesting point. Um, was there a moment when he was, you know, fresh on campus uh, and when, or maybe when you were fresh on the beat when he stuck out like just a moment that you're like, okay, this guy's, this guy's headed to the pros. Uh,
3: You know, it's tough because, and I think, This past year, this is probably not the best example because he'd already been around for a while, but he had this this game against Washington State this past year where it was just clear that no one could guard him. Uh, And Washington State tried to play zone against USC and they just absolutely torched them. And Ra was, you know, the main uh, beneficiary of that. You know, he ended up with four touchdowns in that game. Um, And... Just the way he took over that game was – it was just one of those moments where you're like, this guy is the best player on the field. Uh, that certainly comes to mind. And one thing I think – and I, I think I even mentioned it when I talked to you guys before – was that, you know, there was a game in his sophomore year in which USC was completely out of running backs. And to open the game, they actually moved – they shifted Amonra from the slot – into the backfield yeah. and handed it off to him and he ran for a 38 yard touchdown and he that run i think it shows you all his skills in terms of ball skills like he you know he jukes a guy he spins around another guy like he runs through contact like this is a guy who could have been a running back if he would have right. put on more weight and just been like you know just trained differently apparently from age five i guess but uh <laughs> But yeah, he in that game, you know, he was one of their leading rushers and also one of their leading receivers. And he didn't even bat an eye. Uh, And I know they they never really went back to that again. They got some of their running backs back. But the fact that he could just step in that week and immediately sort of know what he was doing, I guess, was just sort of a telling experience for me yeah and that washington state game by the way all four of those touchdowns came in the first quarter yes (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) i think he had five catches and four touchdowns at one point or something like that it was ridiculous
1: ridiculous. um all right let's take our first break when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about his projection to the nfl his fit with the lions and everything else that ryan karchi knows about amana st brown so stick with us on first bite we'll be right back And we are back here on First Bite talking about Amon Ross St. Brown, the Lions fourth round pick here with Ryan Karchi of uh, the LA Times, USC beat writer. Um, let's talk a little bit about his projection to the Lions. We, we covered his time at USC pretty well. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on how he projects to the NFL. Um, and, and, and I guess I'll start with my thoughts um, simply because I remember trying to, you know, scout him after the Lions picked him, look at his film, things like that. And the one thing that stuck out to me is he he doesn't necessarily have any elite skills, but he's pretty darn good at everything. Do you think that's, that's a fair assessment?
3: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think that is probably the best assessment. I think that's, <laughs> and that, I think that's why he fell. I mean, mm-hmm. especially in a class of receivers that have a lot of elite skills, like the guy who is real is good at everything, but not great. Uh, certainly falls by the wayside, I think. And, you know, that's when you try to, like, even when I've been asked about any standout skills, like I have a hard time sort of coming up with an answer because the answer really is just that they're all kind of a part of the product, right? Right. Like he's not missing anything. And I guess maybe like top end speed would be the one thing that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have, but the way he makes up for that, like, he, he is quite good at like just his route running and just the the damage he's able to do just in the intermediate area. Uh, I think, and I think that sort of thing translates right away. As long as you know, he's not the guy that you you know send on a fly route, then like, if you know how to use him correctly, then he can be used like pretty well to like in any position. I, I know you mentioned like the slot a little bit, like that's, I certainly think that, that position is kind of taken takes advantage of his skills a little bit more, but he can play on the outside too, as he showed this, this past season.
2: Yeah. I know a lot of lions fans kind of look him at him as a slot receiver. And I even remember on draft night, some people asking like, why are we taking this guy when we've already got Qu- when the lions already have Quintez Cephas. But as you say, I think he's just, he, he's more than just a slot guy. He's more than just a big body in the slot. He's got
3: kind of everything. Yeah, definitely. And he played you know, both inside and outside when he was at modern day and, you know, did damage from both. And I know USC just happened to have Michael Pittman right for a while along with Amon Ra and they didn't necessarily and you know Michael Pittman is very prototype outside receiver. So it made a lot of sense to keep him there. Um, and I do think, you know, I, I think like our perception of how that works is changing a little bit more than it, it was at one point with football, right? So, you know, USC's slot receiver when Amon-Ra moved to the outside is Drake London at you know six five and two forty basically now or something like that. So uh, it doesn't really matter the body size, but like he moved to the outside and that's that's where he had his big game against Washington State, and I I think. You know, I'm sure he'll get asked about it, but when we asked him about it before, you know, he he would get kind of annoyed by the the idea that he was sort of pigeonholed into just a slot position. I think that's because, you know, he worked a lot on trying to be that outside guy. Now, would I put him outside like right away? Probably not. I think I would start him on as a slot receiver. And I think that's arguably where he did his most damage at USC. And there's a reason again, why his second year was a little bit better than his third year. And I think that has something to do with it, but uh, he's certainly capable of, of playing either.
1: That's, that's interesting. Um, Uh, it it kind of all plays into that kind of chip on the shoulder mentality that seems like he has. So yeah, that's, that's interesting that he probably thinks he'll be more of an outside or can be more of an outside receiver than, than advertised. And, and, you know, we, we know so little about the Lions scheme right now that that we, we, I mean, maybe we see that a little bit. I think you're right though, that um, he's probably headed to more of a slot role to begin with, especially since the lions kind of have a a one and two guy that that'll probably be on the outside. Um, But um, let, let's talk a little bit more about his specific skill sets. Is there something specific that he does do, that you think will translate particularly well to the NFL? Because, you know, a lot of things don't hold up necessarily NFL with NFL with a whole new, um, you know, level of skill. Is there something yeah. that you think for sure will still persist with him?
3: Well, I think just his instincts in general, uh, and like we've talked about his IQ, uh, yeah. will certainly translate right away. And I, I don't think he's going to have any problem picking up the playbook or any of that stuff. Um, I, I do like I, in college, he was what I thought was a a very solid route runner. And I think that was, you know, when you, when you see so many guys, especially at the collegiate level, just have very little idea how to run a tight route. Like just the fact that he could consistently do that, even as a freshman on uh, it was pretty clear. He's trained a lot with that. So I do think that and sort of the, just that short area quickness will probably translate right away. And again, I, I think it's really just a question of how the Lions decide to use him, how much we we get to see that. And I, I do think, though, that I'm sure that will be one of the compliments that, that's paid to him sort of right away. It's that, you know, he's able to pick it up immediately, like he's sort of a crisp like clean player. Um, and I think that that'll translate, but like you said, like, whereas in college, his speed didn't necessarily matter. Um, and maybe even as far as to go as his separation, he wasn't necessarily a receiver that separated a ton. Um, he's kind of a guy who, you know, would make catches in tight windows. He could, he was just smart enough to put himself in position to make those catches. Now, When he's covered by, you know, a top cornerback, will he have a little bit more trouble? I do think that's like a part of his game that he'll have to focus quite a bit on.
2: Yeah. I was. Yeah. I was going to ask to that, like, you know, where is he, where where do you see him? He's probably going to most struggle to adapt to when it comes to the NFL. Is it going to be those bigger corners or is it going to be something else?
3: Yeah. And I I think it is going to be those corners. I think he's probably going to have a little bit of trouble in press coverage, just like, against guys who are bigger than him. Um, but, you know, that that said, uh, he came into college and immediately looked like he'd been there forever. Um, it's not like there was that one year that he needed to get into it. So it's certainly possible that he could adjust that quickly at the NFL level. But I, I do just think it really is going to be a matter of that separation. I, that is one thing that uh, if he does struggle early, I would imagine it. It's that, um, and again, that has so much to do with whatever routes he's asked to run or whatever position he's in. And that's one of the reasons why I think he would be better off in the slot, just a um, little bit more flexibility in terms of that, especially in press coverage. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting point too
1: because I I, I look at his play and it, it can be physical at times. Like that is a guy that that is unafraid of of contact and. But, but in college, you don't really see a lot of press coverage. And so, that's yeah, yeah that's something that we just don't, don't really know if he has the skills to beat. I think he has a mentality to, to potentially beat man, uh, press coverage, but um, does he have the skill set? Does he have the physical tools? That's that's something that we really don't know yet. Yeah. Um, I, I I have this question that I've asked everybody uh, in, hmm. in regards to the Lions rookies. And you may have already answered this one uh, when he was in the backfield, but – if there was one player, one moment from Amon St. Brown's career that defines him as a player and person, what was it?
3: Yeah, I mean, they, I really just come back to that run yeah. play, you know, and you talk about his physicality. Like, he – what I mean, if you watch it, like, he runs straight at a guy. I mean, yeah. this is not like a, you know, a small receiver just sort of running away from contact. Like, he'll lower his shoulder – uh, and do that. I wish I had a better, another one for you trying to think. Um, yeah. I mean, he, we talked about it a little bit earlier, just his chemistry and how he immediately connected with Keaton Slovis. But I remember that first game that he played at, uh, you know, Keaton Slovis, I know, was very nervous, um, as one would be, you know, right after JT Daniels tore his ACL. And, you know, Keaton Slovis thrust into literally the first game of the season. And Amon was just kind of that, uh, like, he leaned on him very clearly in that game. And Amon had a way of, like, there was a pride to him in that, like, I think he knew that it fell on his shoulders uh, to sort of carry Keaton through that. And, he is, he is that type of person. And I do think, you know, as far as the lions go, like, I think that skill will translate right away too. And I don't know what that receiver room is like now. And maybe no one does since it's like completely turned over over the course of the last year. But uh, I do think just his presence, like people will respect him in that room for that. And I think that, you know, that game also said a lot about just his mentality, but really when I come back to just his, what kind of like tough player he is like that, that run play against Colorado certainly sticks out. Someone to lean on would definitely seem
2: like probably in the profile of Jared Goff. That does sound (laughs) just a matter of that. If it's that or Quintez Cephas or, why I don't even know who the third wide receiver is at this point. I'm just Tyrell Williams, oh, Tyrell yeah. Williams, I guess. Yeah, Airman, um, yeah.
3: It, it's... I know. A, I know a lot of people, especially you know the fact that I, I actually covered the Rams for a couple of years and mm-hmm. was there when Jared Goff was drafted, and so I spent a lot of time around Jared Goff and uh, Amon Ra. I think in a best case scenario, uh, people would love to hear that he might be a Robert Woods type, and I, I think that's kind of a fair ceiling comparison uh I think Robert Woods is probably a little bit better but uh but you never know I mean that Robert Woods also had several quiet years in the NFL to start before he sort of blew up with the Rams so it uh I certainly think that's sort of the trajectory he would like to be on
2: just checking Robert
3: Wood's not in our list cast, Jeremy. So that's a problem. <laughs> of top 10
1: receivers. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, well, yeah, he's not gonna be a top 10 receiver <laughs> right out, out of the box. But
4: but I, why not? I
1: do, I do see some Lions fans with with very I mean, a lot of Lions fans really love this guy. And I think part of it is the mentality. Part of it is that uh, you know, a lot of people think they may have gotten a second round talent in the fourth round. Um, but since you have, you know, a fair amount of knowledge on the Lions as well, what do you think first year expectations sh- could be with, with a Monterey. I I mean, I see Lions fans talking offensive player of the year, I think, or offensive rookie of the year, I should say, obviously that's a little bit pie in the sky, but, but you know what, like is, is 600 yards,
3: 700 yards. Is that, is that too much for a a guy that might be playing predominantly in the slot? I don't think so. Uh, I certainly think he could live up to that. And like I said, you know, this whole time, he has a history of just sort of jumping into a situation and, you know, starting right away and having no issue uh, from the jump. Uh, I think that could be the situation. I think, you know, just the fact that there isn't really like a standout number one guy in the receiving core, uh, unless you count TJ Hawkinson, I guess, uh, sort of, sort of lends itself to that. And I think, I don't know, he sort of strikes me as someone who will not have like a big, like many big games, but, will always sort of be there reliably. And, you know, he has proven that he has the ability to be sort of a red zone threat. I think that's one thing that I would like to see more out of him in the NFL that might be a little harder to translate, but I wouldn't doubt if they're creative enough, you know, in the red zone that he's the type of guy who could take advantage of some, you know, some nifty routes and some shifts that, you know, would put him in a good spot. I, I think he could, he could develop into that in a similar way that Robert Woods is.
1: All right. Last one for me, um, just kind of to wrap things up. Is there anything you think Lions fans should know about Amon St. Brown that they might not know, or just kind of like maybe give a a pitch, uh, a Amon Ross St. Brown pitch to the Lions fan base?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think we covered most of it, but uh, the one thing that surprised me most, uh, and I'm sort of with their with Lions fans on this in that, uh, I was quite surprised that he lasted as long as he did. Um, and I think if he would have gone, been able to go to the NFL after last year, I think we would have been talking about a second round pick, probably. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Uh one of USC uh a official who works with USC also used to work with John Dorsey uh mm. when he was in the NFL. And he actually was texting with me as this happened and and told me that kind of like you said, that they had their eye on him for, for a while and that he sort of fit their system perfectly. And I like as as much as I know about the Lions offense as it stands right now, like it certainly seems to me like he is the type of guy that would fit in well. And like we've sort of referenced, like he has that very Detroit feel to him. There's a sure. chip on his shoulder. He's going to be a type of guy. He's not going to complain ever. There's no like uh, diva-ness to him at all. Yeah. You're never going to get that. So I think he will fit in well with Detroit. I think he'll endear himself just to the fact that he, you know, has potential and is not like is someone Lions fans can get excited about uh, because we don't necessarily know what his ceiling is compared to maybe some of the other guys that are on their team. Um, and I think, you know, if he continues at the pace that he's at, like, I I don't doubt that he could be a receiver that has thousand yard seasons. Do I think he's a number one guy in the NFL? Probably not, but I do think he could be a very productive number two, uh, if there was that number one guy that that could step up. And if he was your number three in an offense going forward, I, I think the, you know, you're in a good spot. I love that. Dropping some
1: sources there at the end uh, to get the Lions fans Mm, fired up. mm. That's Ryan Karchi from the LA Times. Hold up, hold up. Oh, you got one more for me? I I was going to say, I haven't had enough weird stories about (laughs)
2: Amon Ra, St. Brown, and his family. I'm imagining if you got to see anything else with, like, just, I I don't know, because I imagine when he's like, I imagine in my head, I want to believe that a lot of his chip came from having to deal with listening to foreigner growing up, but <laughs> what, like, I'm just curious with that again, besides just the competitive, like do you see anything from that family dynamic, anything that was just, I don't know, more of a
3: character for these guys. Well, their dad has a lot, enough character for all of them. I think <laughs> he sort of like sucked that, like he hoards the character of the family. And so we might uh, see him around Detroit sometime. Oh, you'll hear him. Is it fair he, to uh, say he gives off like LeVar ball energy? Uh, there was actually a story a while back that was kind of like, oh, this is the, the ball family of college football. <laughs> ah. Now mm. I don't, he's not as much bravado. I would guess. Okay. So yeah. Make- I don't think he has the yeah. negative connotations of LeVar <laughs> no. Ball here. Yeah. Not, not as much, not as much for that. Maybe in terms of like selling his products, sure. similar. <laughs> um, but no, uh, John Brown is an intimidating guy. I'll say that. And I think you can see sort of the intensity and where it comes from and how they're the most similar in that sense. Have I shuddered a couple times when John Brown called me after I wrote a story about his son? Maybe. Uh, what, what's that phone call like? Well, like what, what's, what's the first words
2: out of his mouth there? What is it like? It's like, Brian. Like, yeah. Was, it's usually, it?
3: There's not what's usually the a meeting. He just kind of jumps into it, uh, <laughs> but he is certainly someone who I will say, if you wanted like an unvarnished take about Clay Helton, or something like USC or like USC is not playing my son enough sort of thing. You could get that from him if you wanted it. Um, But he uh, certainly someone you want to have on your side. You know,
2: you (laughs) had my cure, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention,
3: (laughs) but yeah, he's a, he, he's quite a guy, but he uh, certainly, I mean, it's rubbed off on his sons in the best possible way, I, I think. And I, uh it certainly worked for Ra, and he's not it's not a, like LeVar ball sort of metal with your life sort of situation. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, maybe you did start him as a five year old doing uh curls like that. <laughs> sure. Like maybe that's a little overkill, but you know, I think John Brown would say it worked. Yeah. So what's harm? the harm? Results speak <laughs>
1: for themselves. Yeah. Uh, again, that's Ryan Karchi, the the USC beat writer over at the LA Times. Um, Ryan, uh, do you if if you want, uh, I'll give you a minute here to to plug your stuff, where the people can find you if they want to read more about uh, USC or, or whatever you you. I mean, since you're a
3: Michigan man, maybe you got some Detroit takes on your on your socials. <laughs> uh, well, I try to I try to limit the Michigan takes, mostly because <laughs> uh, USC fans already don't love the fact that I went to Michigan. Fair. So I don't know why they what they have against michigan people but i actually think they're the two programs are very similar so uh i don't know they, if that's i don't know if that's good praise oh, I mean, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that, praise for either team no 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 <laughs> i mean that in the best and worst way that <laughs> <laughs> way um but yeah no i uh definitely check out latimes.com uh, any of our coverage on usc and you can follow me on twitter at ryan underscore Carchi. it's k-a-r-t-j-e so you might get some sad lion's takes in there every now and again, if you just Oof. want a little sprinkle of that. We, we, we get plenty of that on the timeline. Right? We say, provide yeah. plenty of that on the
2: timeline. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs>
1: well thank you for for your time ryan appreciate it that was some great insight and appreciate all of you listening uh, we'll be back with the main podcast on sunday we'll be doing a live locker room except it's not called locker room anymore it's called green room now so update your apps if you want to join us uh for that every saturday morning but until next time thanks for joining us it's chaos be kind